This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Voki, and you are listening to Anchored, my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Darcy Arahill, also known as Darcizzle, started fishing as a little girl. Based in Florida, she focuses on saltwater species, particularly those found offshore. After quitting her office job, Darcy made the decision to become a full-time angler and YouTuber in hopes she might inspire others to get outdoors. I met with Darcy at her home in Florida to pick her brain about being a female in the fishing industry. Darcy is known for her bikini videos, so I hoped she'd be willing to talk to me about the stigma of women fishing half-naked. Truthfully, I didn't give her a heads up about any of this. I had reached out to several women who'd gained notoriety through similar videos, but none of them responded to me, so I was terrified she'd turn down my request for an interview. Darcy responded with kindness and professionalism, and soon we had locked in a date. In this episode of Anchored, I learn more about Darcy as we discuss how her career took off, what her long-term plan is, and her thoughts on the objectification of women, all while sitting through some uncomfortable conversation about if what we wear to go fishing really even matters. Thank you very much for taking the time to sit down with me. No problem. I'm very excited to be on this podcast with you today. You have been on my radar for a while. Really? Yeah. I've been watching because we come from very different worlds, but they're not that different. They're different, but they're not different. Like we were, you know, being a female angler, there's a lot of the same obstacles. We've probably marketed differently, but there's reasons behind a lot of this and I want to talk about them. But first I want to gain a better understanding of who you are because I really don't know much about you personally. Like I, I, you know, I've only ever seen your pictures and your videos on the internet. I haven't 
spoke to you before. Like we don't, we don't know each other. A lot of my guests were buddies and like we've hung out together and we fished for a week together before. So I know where to start, but I really don't know where to start with you. So we're just going to start with where you were born and raised. All right, let's do it. Um, so I was born in Miami, Florida. I am a third generation Floridian. So back down there, I basically grew up with my family. I'm the oldest of five kids. And my dad used to take me fishing at the age of three. We started going out on a little 18 foot canoe, which is like basically a tiny canoe. And we would go out of Miami and we would go fishing for mangrove snapper. We would go lobstering. We would just do water activities with each other growing up. And I just have like so many amazing memories from doing that with my dad and my oldest sister. Cause like we were the two, well, my second oldest, the second oldest sister in the lineup because we were the two oldest to be able to get out on the boat with him. Um, so we just, you know, experienced thunderstorms. We saw all kinds of crazy stuff, stingrays, you know, in the water, just so many amazing experiences that like I still hold to this day. And I have my dad to thank for taking me out fishing, especially being the firstborn. He was obviously passionate and wanted to share it with you. That's super cool. Exactly. Did he end up having any boys? Um, no. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, he did. We uh, basically... Uh, like, forget about those wait, guys. Wait, wait, wait. Nope. <laughs> they <hold don't> matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rushing to answer. I don't need to. All right. So... You have all the time in the world. Yes. I mean, as much time as you have. Yes. So uh, there's four girls and the youngest is a boy. So... Oh, okay. Really? Yes. Oh, the poor guy. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so he was in a family of girls growing up, but at the same time, he's an awesome kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Now, did you spearfish or were you... Like just rod and reel fishing? A lot of it was just rod and reel fishing. Flamingo snapper, barracuda, just a mixture of stuff, kind of like on the inshore fishery side. We never went out in the deep sea. And then we also did the lobstering. So that's like, you know, fins, a snorkel, and a mask. And we weren't using any dive gear. So we would just go in like shallower water, like 10 feet or less. And we would go and pluck lobsters off the bottom with a tickle stick and a net. A tickle stick? Yeah, that's what it's called, a tickle stick. Sounds really... Like, how does it work? <laughs> what happens? Talk me through it. Okay, so basically, a tickle stick is like a three or four foot like metal rod or a metal little, I guess, yeah, just like a metal rod, very thin. The rod is straight, and then at the end, it like kind of like dives in a little bit at an angle. So what you would do is, if you see a, a lobster in a structure or in a rock or anything, you would take your tickle stick, and you would go behind the lobster, and you would tap on his tail. And basically, the metal like reacts to the, the lobster. They don't like it. So they like Im- immediately come walking forward out of the hole because they don't like the tickle stick. It basically tickles them out. That's what it's called. And then basically as soon as they come out of the hole, then that's when you would lay the net over them. So when they're on the floor, the bottom of the floor, and they kind of are looking at you with like their antennas up and like they want to attack you and they're making noises and stuff. They don't have claws, which is a good thing. We don't, our Florida lobsters are spiny Florida lobsters. They don't have claws. You would put the net down, but you would put it behind his tail. So that way he does, because they flip backwards and they swim away. So if you get it behind him, he would flip backwards into the net. So that's kind of how you would catch him. And then sometimes people catch them barehanded or in the Bahamas they do it they'll actually like spear them so it just depends on the type where you are in the world I would say yeah Um, but it's a lot of fun and it's a great family activity and some years we just had a blast and loaded up on lobster and then other years it was a struggle to catch keeper lobster so but it's cool so what about growing up from there then you obviously did you have a regular upbringing did you go to school yeah, so I basically grew up in Miami, um, and then my parents got divorced at the age of I was fourteen. Um, oh, so that's a rough age. yeah, so basically, long story short, my mom moved away with four, with the other four of my siblings to the Orlando area, and I stayed in Miami, Florida, with my dad. Um, I ended up living with him. So when my parents broke up, we actually like moved into my aunt's house, my dad's sister's house, and I grew. I finished growing up in Miami and going to high school down there at my aunt's house, thanks thanks to her and. 
And um, so unfortunately, I lost touch with my mother and the relationship I had with my siblings back then. So it was a very tough time. But um, I grew up, I was I was a cross-country athlete and also a track and field athlete. And I broke the mile record at my high school. I ran a five, hundred, five minute and 28 second mile, which I'm pretty sure I still hold to this day. So that was pretty cool. And that's where I got the name Darcizzle. Um, it all started back in high school. And because I was fast on the field, they would call me Sizzle or well, just call me Dar Sizzle. And then they're like, you sizzle, you're fast. So it kind of like all started back then. So I have high school to thank for what I'm called today on social media. What were you like <laughs> in high school? Were you, were you popular? Were you nerdy? Were you one of those, like, were you a jock? What, what were you like? If you had to, if you had to pigeonhole yourself into a category, what would it be? I would definitely say I was nerdy. Um, and just an athlete. And I hung out with like a lot of the, the kids that played, you know, the track and field and cross country, but I was not popular for no way. I was not popular at all. Um, and I was definitely nerdy and I kind of kept to myself and I had like a very small group of friends. So, so what did you want to be when you grew up? So, I mean, I never really got that down. Initially, I always said I wanted to be like a paleontologist or something. And then I got interested into uh, criminal justice too. And I finished recently, I just got my degree like three years ago in um, criminal justice. And I didn't really, I was interested in it, but I didn't really like have anything like on my radar, like this is what I want to be. And this is what I want to do. It was just like an interest of mine. And then this whole you know, social media world and fishing came up and this was kind of something I never expected to ever happen. So now I'm doing this full time. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just crazy what life brings you and you never know what, I don't even know what I'm probably going to be doing in the next five or 10 years, but I never like had something I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. I was always like, I'm a kid and one day I'll figure it out. (laughs) You're rolling with the punches. Yeah. But how old are you now? You're 30? I'm 30 now. Okay, so let's you, you skip back, you know, past a couple things. Let me back right back up. Did you take a, a break from fishing when you were in high school, like a lot of people do? Yeah, I mean, so basically, like when my parents got divorced, like my dad stopped going fishing as much. He kind of like, you know, we're just getting our lives back together and trying to figure things out. So yeah, I did not get the opportunity to fish as frequently as I did in, uh, back in the day when I was younger. So yeah, high school, I would say I didn't, I hardly fished. And, and then, when did um, you get back into it? Like, do you remember when you were like, you know what, this is something I really loved and I really either need it or I really want it back in my life. So after high school and I went into college, I uh, basically moved up north into Broward County area, which is an hour away from Miami. And my dad was living up there with his girlfriend. So I moved in with them. I started working and we kind of went fishing like here and there, not too often, but it was enough to like still give me like the urge, like, man, I need to keep doing this. Like, this is amazing. And then I met Brian, who's my boyfriend um, and we've been dating seven or eight years and basically worked at an office together and that was you met him in the office yes and that's when I was also going to college as well so I was in my early 20s I think I was 21 actually and uh, he had a big 23 foot pro line and he's like I go deep sea fishing you know all the time every weekend let's go so that was something new to me because I'm always used to like the inshore fishery and the snapper fishing in the shallow water diving for the lobsters so it was something completely new and I was like oh man I know how to fish let's go and then when we went out there fishing for the first time I was like I don't know anything about this deep sea fishing, but it was still a huge draw to me and I had a huge interest. And our first trip, we caught some amazing fish and it was just like, wow, I want to go do this again. So we started doing it like every weekend together for the next year. And it was just a blast and just posting my videos and pictures on social media. And so then one day, did you just look at each other and you're like, I, like, how did that even stem into a relationship? Were you friends first? Yeah. So I was in another relationship at the time for a while, but we basically were friends for like a year. And then uh, we started going to 
lunch together and stuff and like and then the rumors started in the office about us and which was all good and he was then a um, lawyer what were you doing so he was a real estate lawyer in the office and i initially was a front desk girl so i handled like the phone calls and stuff but working there five years i really worked my way up in the company and just showed them my value and i'm a hard worker so like i ended up basically doing everything by the time i left like i was the girl who cut the checks did the wires went to the bank i handled even people people's computer issues i yeah, mean the if, administration people are not to be overlooked like they are a necessity oh yeah oh yeah so and you know these people the real estate people the real estate agents like they want to get paid so in our office it's like you pay them asap so it's like as soon as you get the closing and the title and the check you're like you have to process that immediately because they want their check so it's just constantly like you're just getting worked all day long um and then even on top of that like if i'm a bit in the middle of a check and a real estate agent has an issue they would still come to me and be like hey can you come help me with this so i would drop everything and go help them because the real estate agents were our focus um at least for me and then brian he knew, you know he handled just real estate transactions and titles and things like that so he feels like like let's paint a picture of brian so because i think it's important to paint a picture when you initially said to me you know brian handles the schedule i pictured brian to be like i don't know different i just pictured him to be this i don't know tanned shirtless <laughs> you know kind of chachi guy and then i got to your house and he opened the door and he's just like immediately likable, relaxed. He feels relaxed. He feels like what I would expect a really nice, likable, retired, still young lawyer would, would feel like. Like, does that make sense? That does make sense to me, actually. That's a, that's a good um, overview like of what you, can you tell just laid smart, out. smart. You can tell he's yeah. charismatic, but he feels relaxed. Yeah. And that's, that is a good quality trait of his. And he's just like always calm in like most situations, even when I've like had hooks deep in my finger or like we take <laughs> huge waves over the bow or a flats boat and we're almost sinking and I'm like freaking out. Like he's like the calmest person ever. Yeah. Like he's just calm in all situations. So that's like a huge quality of his for sure. So you but that's funny. Fishing. And then what happened? I mean, that was obviously just for fun. And then social media happens yes. and you start posting. I would imagine that's what, is that what happened? Yeah. So like I said, like when we first started fishing together that first year, I created my Instagram account. I believe like back in 2012, which was like, I think it had just been up maybe a year, maybe two years. Um, so I created it around the same time that we started fishing together and I just started posting my, my pictures on Instagram, not necessarily videos, but pictures. And it kind of just like gained traction from there. People started giving me likes and I got followers and they're like, Oh my gosh, can you wear my t-shirt? You know, in one of your pictures. So people started reaching out to me in that form. And then it was like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting all these cool free t-shirts. Like this is so cool. And then basically like it just came out of nowhere. Like I just, we just got more and more followers, more and more likes. We're like, wow, we're really getting somewhere with, with this. This is pretty cool. I wasn't making any money at the time, but then like a year into it, we were like, well, let's create it like a Facebook page. And you were on Instagram before Facebook? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Well, okay. I had like my own personal Facebook page, but as yeah. far as like my public figure page, like I didn't create my public figure Facebook page until after I created Instagram a year prior. Okay. Oh, that actually, that actually really helps me um, with some context. Like I started with a Facebook page when Facebook first ever, like the first year. And then I remember when Instagram came out and I was like, this is a phase. This is literally never going to pick up. And I ignored it for ages. Okay. So you are the epitome of the Instagram boom then. Yeah. Which we'll get back to because I've got a million questions for you about this. Okay. So from there, mm -hmm. 
what did you do? We created the Facebook page and that's when I was like, well, my name on Instagram was Dark Sizzle, um, just from my high school nickname. And then on Facebook, it was like, well, let's just make it Dark Sizzle Offshore because we go offshore fishing. So that's how I kind of came up with the name Dark Sizzle Offshore. We started posting there and I got more and more busy at work as this was happening because I, you know, I, they gave me a little raise. They moved me to the back and I just got slammed. I was just working nonstop. I stopped taking lunch. I um, got to a certain point where I was just like slammed with work. I had no help. You know, they just gave me too much work for what I was doing, but I handled it anyways, because I'm just a hard worker and I'm like, whatever, I can do it. So at that time, I was working really hard. And honestly, Brian, he was posting in his, his office on social media. So he started posting on Facebook for me and like started helping me with just keeping the ball rolling and like keeping new content coming out. Shortly after that, we were like, well, you know, people love our pictures and stuff, but like we got so much hate and negativity about how girls don't really fish and you didn't really catch this fish. It's just you in a picture of a fish, like you're holding somebody else's catch. So it was kind of like, well, let's like create a YouTube channel and see what happens with that and actually like show people that we, I really catch fish. Like I do everything on the boat. Like let's do that. So we created a YouTube channel shortly after that. I think it was like 2014, maybe I could be wrong. And then we just started posting like little 30 second clips, like maybe throwing a cast net or doing something on the boat, maybe gaffing a fish or whatever. It wasn't even serious. It was just like, let's create a YouTube channel and like throw some videos up. So we did that. And then we, we started like actually filming a lot of our adventures. Um, he, we just, we, we did not know what we were doing. Number one. Um, we just started like bringing the GoPro and had the worst audio and everything. And honestly, those videos are still on the channel. So you can check them out just to see the progression. Yeah. But we just started posting like whatever we had. Like we were very inexperienced. Brian doesn't know anything about video. I don't know anything about video. I'm actually a shy person in general. So it was very hard for me to like even speak on camera. So just a combination of all those terrible videos, they started getting posted on YouTube weekly. And then that's when it really started to pick up as well. I started to sell calendars. I was like, let's sell calendars. And I had some sales back then, but I was like trying to balance like our business and what we were doing while we were at this office working. So Brian would post a lot and um, he was on there constantly on social media. And I got in trouble from the boss a couple times. He would like walk me into the office. He's like, you need to stop posting on social media in the middle of the workday. Like you're working. And it's like, I couldn't tell him the truth. I was just like, okay, okay. Like I'm really working. I promise it's him. But, um, but at the same time, it is what it is. So it was, it was pretty cool. But that's kind of like just how it developed. We created the three social media platforms and then we were just like, holy cow, we're really doing something with this. And then we we had sponsors start to send us lures and like actual fishing gear. And then we had one reach out to us that was with us a, quite a while, but he's like a big distributor of a lot of tackles. So he provided us with rods and reels and fluorocarbon and hooks and like anything we needed. So it was just, it literally just came out of nowhere. Like I never expected like I would be doing this full time. And I thought it was kind of like a cool side gig. And then we're like, we're actually gaining traction. Let's quit our jobs. So Jesus, we, that's a really big leap though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were making money on YouTube, we are making some money, but we weren't like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a sustainable living yet. But at the same time, we were just like, we got to make the jump. Like, we, I don't want to continue to work for somebody else. And my bosses didn't appreciate all the hard work I put into it. They really didn't. Um, I just, I busted my butt for them. And it's like, I want to bust my butt for myself. And Brian was kind of like, just worn out with all the real estate work he's been doing for over 20 years now. He had his own practice in New York and then he moved down here and he just, you know, he got tired of pushing the paper as well. So we like both wanted to change. So it was kind of like, let's just do it. And if it doesn't work out, we can always get another job. It's no big deal. So, um, so it is really inspiring though. That's a big leap. Yeah. Cause it's not like you're working in a restaurant. 
I mean, you're working in a proper office job right? and a good one too. Right. Jeez. Was that, so you guys both walked in together and you were like, yeah, peace out. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time too, I forgot to mention, I was going to college. So like my off, my bosses worked with me a couple nights of the week and I would like leave early so I could go to college and go to classes, which was nice of them. But like those days, like I wouldn't take a lunch on purpose so I could leave early. They knew, they knew what we were up to. And like I said, I got in trouble for Facebook and just posting and stuff. So they basically like, were like, when we went into quit, we told him and he was like, well, good luck to you. Like I, we had a feeling though, like we knew you're going to quit. Like they knew what we were doing, not social media, which was awesome. Um, and they wished us luck and that was it. So, but I mean, I did give a two week notice. I didn't just walk out the door. Yeah. No, no, you kept it pro. (laughs) Yeah. Was it painful to have people be like, oh, he's just catching fish for you and passing them on knowing that, I mean, he's from New York, you said, right? Yes. I mean, you're the one who's from here, born and raised here, grew up doing this with your dad. Did you kind of just want to smack the insults out of people's mouths? Yeah. Like, and back then I used to let it bother me a lot more. Um, and I was just, it would just be really hurtful. And it's just like, man, like, I really want to like show you like you're totally freaking wrong. Like, let me show you. I did. I caught these fish. So that's like a whole thing of how the videos came out. But, um, but the videos, but, didn't, you didn't get more hate from that. I'm just astonished. Cause I find YouTube's actually the most offensive platform. Like the comments are ruthless. It is. It definitely is the most offensive. I mean, the people over there, it's just like, they can say whatever they want. It doesn't matter what, and they're not going to get in trouble for it. And, but I guarantee you, if they ever saw me face to face, they would never say what they say on social media. But, um, you know, it is worse over there. And I, and in the beginning with our videos, I mean, honestly, we didn't have a lot of views. Like we were just beginning channel was at zero. So it was kind of like, those videos I didn't really pay attention to as much. And then when we started getting more into it and we quit our jobs and stuff and I realized like people nitpick you and it doesn't matter. Like it it matters that you're a female. It doesn't matter that you're a male because when you're in a fishing industry that's male dominated and you did everything correctly, whether it was like filleting a fish or catching that fish or whatever, like you did everything perfectly and those, that person will still find something to like say negative about you and like just attack you for it or whatever. And I just find it so funny because they don't do that to males in the industry and they could do, they could have done the same exact thing I did like perfectly, whatever it was, a flame, flame fish, for example, like I would go watch a video of an expert and then do the same exact thing. And they would not say anything like that to him in the comments. But to me, I just get attacked for everything. I mean, it was just insane. So for whatever reason, males just I feel like just want to attack a female and like bring her down in any way, shape or form. And it's a shame what has, what society has done. I mean, the elephant in the room is that you fish in a bikini and we're going to get to that. But I want to just address that. That is not the only reason that you get hate. I mean, I caught a big salmon the other day, a big Atlantic in Norway. And some guy was like, oh, you know, how, what did it take to snag that? And it's like, I'm really sorry that you just can't handle your jealousy. But, you know, women all over the world get it. It doesn't matter if you're in a bikini. It doesn't matter if you're in fleece or your pajamas. There's always something to hate on. So let's, let's, can we talk a little bit about this whole bikini thing? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, oh my God, where do I start with this? This is a, (laughs) let me start the conversation by letting you know, I actually used to own a bikini company. Like I just got rid of it this year. So this isn't, I, I, I am all about feeling sexy and rocking a bikini doesn't bother me at all. But I've had my career significantly impacted by women who fish in bikinis because they tend to paint this image of selling sex in fishing. And like I remember once I was in Alaska and I'm a steelhead fisherman in Northern Canada. I haven't been branded as, as being a bikini angler, obviously. 
the people I was there with wanted to put me in a magazine or like with them in touch with the magazine to do an interview. And they're like, no, we don't condone or promote that sort of image. And I was like, what image? A steelheader and waiters. But because there was a picture of me on the internet in a bikini, it was enough for a magazine to come, not only boycott me, but really make me feel shitty about myself. Oh yeah. I was going somewhere before I went off on a a rant. (laughs) So I'm friends with a lot of people from Florida and they genuinely fish in bikinis. They don't wake up and say, how am I going to sell sex today? They don't wake up and say, I want to look the certain way. Like they literally, whether they're going out on their own without a camera or whether they're going out with a whole crew, they fish in a bikini. And that's, I'm assuming, I mean, you're flirty and that's what you do, right? Right. And a lot of people, I would say, don't realize that who are not from Florida because that's not what you would wear up in Norway or Canada or even the north uh, Midwest of here, the United States or anywhere up north. I mean, it's cold up there. And um, (laughs) down here, people don't realize if you've never been here, how hot and humid it is, how, you know, the temperatures down here are so sweltering hot. Like the only thing you feel comfortable in is a bikini. And we do grow up in bikinis and it's just a norm down here and people don't really realize that. And I mean, if you think about it, like it's okay to wear a bikini at the pool. It's okay to wear a bikini at the beach. But like when it comes to fishing on a boat, no. But but if you're even boating and you go to a sandbar, bikini is okay. But then if you're fishing, wait, hold on, hold on. You can't be taken seriously. You're in a bikini. What? So that's like the whole thing I just don't get. But yeah, you're totally right. Like girls and us down here, like we love to just be in our bikinis. Like we feel comfortable. Okay, I've gotten a million questions. Can I ask you these questions? And if you want to pitch in at any time, come on over. At this point, I see Brian in my peripheral standing at the doorway, looking like he has something to say. I'm okay. You sure? Come on. <laughs> no. You look like you want to say something. No, I just rant about the bikini thing all the time. You want to say something really bad? No, I don't. Yes, I you do. You totally look I like it. Look, I've got a million questions. The conversation's not going to stop in the next two minutes if you want to sit down. Come say it. I think it's important. Brian sits down at the table. We couldn't figure out how to work a third mic, so he shared one with Darcy. Um, let me st- I'll open it up, okay? So I have been watching Darcy for a long time. But over the years, I've been really watching all of these new accounts bust up, and they are trying to copy what you're doing. And I want to talk about it because I do feel I, – I get quoted – I get people asking me about chicks in bikinis all the time. I have never been against women – fishing in bikinis. I fish in a bikini when I'm with my husband. Sometimes I don't fish as often in a bikini because I don't want to get sunburnt. And honestly, sailfish slime stings. There are times where I want to have my clothes on. But I made the conscious decision not to market myself in a bikini. And I'm wondering, I mean, a lot of these women have made the conscious decision to market themselves in a bikini. Did you guys ever sit back and you're like, okay, the girl can fish. Darcy's a badass. She's obviously hot. We need to do this without her clothes on to get views. Like, was that part of the initial marketing plan? I mean, I, I don't think that was, you know, the obviously wasn't the original plan. Like, we didn't come up with that situation. But, you know, when, when she started out on Instagram, it's abundantly clear which pictures get more engagement and, and better results on, on that platform. Okay, so it's, it's a girl in a bikini. And unfortunately, a girl is just fishing in full clothes. Uh, you know, no one pays attention, honestly, quite a bit. What I found, you know, and frankly... You know, I'm like an expert on this subject because I've, you know, been working with Darcy for seven years, and you know, in, as far as males go, I, I know more about girls fishing bikinis than anybody else in the whole wide world. So, the, you know, boys, the first thing they do is they can objectify that girl, and if she's wearing full clothes, you know, they, 
they like, honestly, they're, just, they're not going to really be into the fishing that much, and they're going to probably move on, and they're going to move on to Darcy, and first they're going to, or many other girls, and they're just looking at a bikini. They're not looking at the fishing or anything else, and that's really the main reason why, we, you know, we moved over to YouTube uh, and started our channel so people could see that, you know, this girl can actually fish, and as you guys mentioned earlier, you know, she's wearing a bikini because that's what we do. Uh, that's what she's doing her whole life, and you know, I don't mind it so much either. When I set up this interview, I was hanging out with some of the guys and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go podcast Darcy. And we started talking about women in bikinis, not, not you, but just women in bikinis. And we started talking about, you know, is it really actually a big deal? Because look, I was a cocktail waitress for years and I'll be honest. Yeah. I wore a push-up bra and I made sure I looked good. Why? Because I was there to make money. I was hustling to make money and I will own that. Um, but not with fishing. I mean, people will be like, well, you were doing that with your fishing. No, I looked like that when I was fishing because I got off shift from waitressing and I went fishing. But it seems like the differentiating factor between people who are offended by it. I mean, there's a lot of ways we could go down this conversation, but, but the guys I was talking to, they were like, if the girls just owned it and they're like, yeah, well, listen, we're trying to monetize off this. That's one thing, but it's the girls who are, you know, they fish in the bikini, they're getting this attention and the engagement, and then they get upset because they might not be taken seriously. Like, can you, can you understand this? Do you guys own it? Do you look at it as a perk because you can monetize? Because I'm assuming you make money off of YouTube views. Well, of course, but I mean, let's even back up and, and why can't a girl in a bikini be taken seriously? I mean, this is, I mean, it's, it's fishing. I mean, I get it. Maybe this bikini thing is new to fishing, but it's not new to advertising. It's been in every single form of advertising from cars to, you know, I don't, I don't even know, uh, women's beach volleyball. Uh, they wear different outfits at Wimbledon. I don't know if anyone of these people have ever seen the red carpet at the Academy Awards and compare what the women wear to what the men wear. I mean, <laughs> it's it's literally insane. And the dresses are down the navel and up to the hip. But is it starting to become harder for people like you who are serious anglers because now you've got these women kind of diluting the situation because they are faking it till they make it and giving everybody who fishes in a bikini a bad name. Yeah. But at the same time, I really feel like you can differentiate between an individual who is just trying to get the views and is wearing the bikini and is new to fishing and doesn't know what she's doing compared to a person who is like totally enthusiastic about it. And like you can tell in the videos, you can tell by the way they speak about it, that they're really serious compared to somebody who is just a beginner. And I think eventually it will work itself out to where like that company will fail or that company, she, she, that individual will get a ton of bad credit and, um, you know, just people saying nasty stuff on social media that will drain and dissolve that business. But for me, for example, I've been going strong now, like five years doing this full time, three and a half, and we're nowhere near finished and we're, we're just on the up and up and up. So I think like it, I think it will play itself out in the long run. And I think all those people will eventually disappear out of the society. So at the same time, it's offensive. And at the same time, I feel like, um, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so let's talk about what the dangers are. Women who very much go out of their way to sell sex in fishing. Are you finding that for you, especially it's setting you back now that there are so many other women who are trying to copy what you're doing? Uh, we actually do. And, and one example would be YouTube, you know, again, uh, you know, Darcy started on YouTube as, as a female angler and really started the social media, at least in my opinion, started this kind of social media revolution of, of girls fishing um, and being involved in it. At least she was the first one. And, you know, when we started on YouTube, you know, it was a, she was the novelty. Oh, there's some girl fishing on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. 
and we and we did really well. And now, you know, with the influx of of numerous channels and girls on Instagram, and you know, and Darcy, you know, she doesn't exploit it like that. You know, she wears a bikini, but she's wearing a bikini. Okay, and you know, does it get us more views uh, you know, on occasion and stuff? I mean, yes. You know, I'm not. I'll well, own it. That's my next question, though. Are you guys posting pictures of you fish? See, this is this is how I differentiate it because I'm not offended by a woman fishing in a bikini, not at all. It makes me want to go to the gym. What I am offended by is when a photo is posted of her bent over in a bikini. I'll tell you what I'm really offended by. I watched a Vicky Stark video recently on YouTube, and she was fishing. And she was actually, she looked really, like, I really liked the start of the video. She's videoing herself telling what, what she's about to do. I was into that. She goes fishing. She catches this stomper of a fish off the boat. She's in her jean shorts. I was really enjoying the experience. Then whoever the dickhead was in the boat with her pulled, while she's fighting a fish, her hands are busy, pulled her shorts down on camera. This didn't hit the editing floor. This is on YouTube. Pulls her shorts down, yanks her, biki- her her bikini bottoms up her bum, slaps her ass, and he goes, I knew something was missing. That's better. And I, I just felt like I wanted to A, punch him, and then B, shut my video off. And I really feel like that sort of stuff is damaging, but it, it wasn't her. It was him. Is there a lot of that going on? I don't feel like I'm, you guys I, do that. No, we don't do that at all. And we have certain, you know, rules or policies where, you know, I don't show anything like that. Like in a million years, you know, from certain angles and I'll tell her, you know, that it's too much butt or that bikini is too small or, you know, whatever, you know, you got to turn around or, or do something. But also, you know, that's not to us. That's not a fishing video. That's a girl in a bikini b- video. Okay. You know, so dark- you guys see the differentiation too. Right. I mean, that's not the audience. So getting back, you know, to answering the question, you know, when Darcy, when, when, when there's a bunch of videos that come up on your suggested screen or your subs count on YouTube, and now they're seeing 10 girls and Darcy has the least scandalous uh, thumbnail. So all those dudes that watching those girls, again, they just wore, they watched to objectify first. Now they see Darcy is, you know, it's her front and, or, you know, and, and there's a fish in front of her maybe. And she's not bent over with a, a dog up or wahoo. And, and so they don't watch her. So, you know, they just click over her. So now we're- Back in 2012, was there a lot less of that sort of- There was nobody else. There was zero. Well, there were out, they were out there. I remember seeing like chicks and fishing, you know, chicks and bikini videos. There was like maybe random But they were random compilations and like really, really, really gaudy. There certainly weren't any personalities doing it. No. So do you guys ever feel pressured to go down that road? Or have you just decided, you know what, we're not going to sell out. We're going to always keep it fishing. Do you get to the point where you're like, well, if we just posted that bum picture, it would do us well. There's a huge amount of pressure. Like we went to the, we just went to the Keys for a whole month. Okay. A whole month in the Florida Keys, you know, from living this lifestyle and our wonderful fans. I mean, so blessed. But the difference, you know, one video that gets, you know, 50,000 views and then you put her rear end on there and it gets a million views, that's thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Because I'll be honest with you, if I was fishing in a bikini and that was my brand and all I had to do, well, that's, oh, that's the key question. What do you associate as your brand? That's, that's the question. What do you associate as your brand? Do you associate yourself as an angler first or do you associate yourself as a hot chick who fishes? 
We've always been angler first. Yeah. Ah, see? Yeah, we are de- I would definitely say I'm an angler first. Um, and honestly, to be honest with you too, like this last year, year and a half, like we were trying to veer away from the bikini thing because it was like, we're getting older. Like, you know, it, that's not the focus here. Like I'm really fishing. We're really providing tips and tricks, how to's. I'm not just sitting there filming myself fishing in a bikini. Like it's real fishing and we're trying to provide other anglers how to do it too. Um, so we're trying to add value to that and not just focus on a, me in a bikini because that's not like the realm of things and that just adds like that just adds a little viewing pleasure for some people but that's not the focus we realized like it's it's really hard and we've been feeling the pressure more lately especially because of all this influx of girls on youtube and our views honestly went down i mean we weren't showing the, the risky thumbnails we weren't focusing on that at all we were trying to veer from it but then we realized like all men care about is just objectifying you and they're not going to watch your videos if you're fully clothed. I don't care if you had the biggest fish in the world. I don't care what's in your thumbnail. They're not going to click, but they will click on your bum. Um, so, you know, when we realized when we were in the Florida Keys, we had a couple hit videos and it was just because of some, you know, just standing there in my bikini, but it was on my backside and it was flaying fish and we're like, holy crap, like, you know, this actually this is what the focus is. And you know, we, the last year we haven't been doing that. So we feel that pressure all the time. It's, and it's tough. And when you have the suggested videos next to you and you're related to all these girls, they're all in their bikini showing their, you know, T and A. Yeah. I mean, it boils down to the fact of, you know, if I can get another couple extra million views and again, that's many thousands of dollars and that's going to pay for my rental house and the keys for a freaking month, you know? So, I mean, I'm going to, there's a lot of pressure. Okay. Do you get a lot of grief being the guy? Are people like you're just trying to cash in on her? I mean, people say that, but I don't care. Like you have to at some point step back and be like, we're not going to let any of this offend us. It's just part of being in the business and social media. And if you can't have some tough skin on a bunch of knuckleheads, you know, we get our videos average between 95 and 98% like ratio. You know, if there's 40,000 views on the thing and we get, even if we get a hundred bad comments, which we don't, we get three, you know, it's like, who cares? And kind of a little thing I came up with a long time ago is, you know, these dudes, they're honestly, they're just jealous. Uh, you know, they blame the women that, you know, they're not doing this or that. But my personal experience, if a guy could wear a bikini and make an extra nickel, every guy in the world would be running around in a bikini making nickels. I mean, it's in, they definitely would. And any guy would love to make a career out of doing some modeling or whatever. So, you know, they just see that a girl's doing it and they get aggravated because they can't do it. And you know, and then you make some stupid comment. That's really, you know, my position on it. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But what's the future plan? What are you guys going to do when you get older? I mean, I, it's something we think about all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, from day one, I've always said, you know, wearing a bikini, that's not a business plan. You know, we have, you know, our page, again, is not 
focused on, you know, on bikinis. I mean, she's wearing a bikini. I'm sorry. You know, get over it. But, you know, she fishes. She's the, as far as I know, she's the only girl out here with boats. I mean, all these girls, they're, they're wonderful. We know them all. They love the fish. They love to be outside and they're doing the outdoor thing and, and more power to them. But, you know, they're primarily going on a charter boat or, you know, on their boyfriend's boat or, you know, whatever it is, mostly charters and, and these kind of things and going on these trips. You know, while Darcy is out here in the trenches, she got a flats boat with her name right on the side, name on the title. We have, she has an offshore boat and we're going out and we're fishing on our own. And, you know, and sometimes we go to a new area and you don't catch fish. You know, in April, when you go to fly fish for the first time in Washington or whatever, you don't catch fish for a couple of days until you figure out what's going on. And that's the struggle that we show and that we do. And, you know, she goes there and actually catches fish and she's actually tying the knots and she's actually throwing the cast net and doing the sabiki and catching the bait and catching the fish and finding where the fish are. She's doing the whole thing. And we have support of wonderful sponsors, which, you know, another thing these girls don't get because they don't have the background behind them, the boat and the experience to do it. It's a really uncomfortable conversation for me because I feel an insane amount of pressure to ask all the right questions. And everybody's going to listen to this and be like, why didn't you ask this? And why didn't you ask that? But it's a lot different when you're sitting across from somebody who's obviously an intelligent human being who loves fishing. And I watched the video of you on the way here. Do you know what happened? Just for everyone listening, it's literally you in a rain jacket. And you're talking about how you're going to go fishing and what you're doing. Like, it was awesome. But when I seen your Instagram account, when like, I think when you were still kind of, when it was all kind of happening, booming, I remember thinking to myself, chicks like that make a bad name for us. But I've never been able to really sit down with someone face to face and been like, can I just ask you your opinion on this? And you too, Brian. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Misconceptions, both of you guys, and feel free to pass the mic back and forth. Let's break down why it's damaging in people's opinion. The biggest argument is it does it sets female anglers back, which is always a tough topic for me to talk about because people used to try to say that about me too because I wore makeup on the river, which like you said, why does it matter if a woman is beautiful or wearing like, I mean, I went through a stage in my career when I used to go teach classes and I would dress in the frumpiest, ugliest clothes. Pot. I literally would, instead of doing myself up, I would take the same amount of energy to do myself down. And now as a mother of a daughter, that is not cool. That is not fair. I owe it to myself to be as attractive as I, as I want to be because that's who I am as a woman and that's what I feel like doing that day. So I don't always buy the whole fishing in bikinis is bad for the industry, but I can see why in a lot of ways it is. I don't think it's the fishing in the bikini that's damaging. I don't think that's what it is. Women have been sexy for, I mean, ever. But it's the intentions that gets people riled up. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that, let me summarize it for you. Do you think that the intention of women who fish to sell sex, let's stop saying bikinis, women who fish to sell sex, do you think that is damaging to women as a whole being taken seriously in the outdoor space? I definitely think that's damaging to a certain extent. But again, like I really feel like you can differentiate those pictures and videos and really see like what they're like showcasing in that image. And when it comes to like 
me, for instance, in my pictures, I might be in a bikini, but like, I'm not necessarily showcasing that. I'm showcasing the, the rod bent over or fish in the picture or whatever might be going on. Um, but I do think it is damaging to a certain extent. And I may not have certain sponsors or somebody interested in me reach out to me for that reason. But that's why I have my videos too, to back it up. Um, and you may or may not believe that's truly me in my videos, but like, I am so enthusiastic and really enjoy catching the biggest and the smallest fish in the world and like I still get the same enjoyment out of it as I did when we first started and like I don't see it as work so like for me like I just feel like continuing to be who you are and like just show the world like you really do fish and I'm learning every single time I go and I'm just always improving my skills that that's always going to outshine those people who are damaging our industry um, with their bikinis and they can continue to do that but I just feel like it may it may get me less people reaching out to me but at the same time like i feel like I am in control of my own individual image and she's not going to bring me down type of thing. Do you ever feel pressure to be like, Hey ladies, you don't have to do that. Don't do that. That sounds like a good idea to do something like that. But then at the same time, it's just like, that's not going to change those people. Those people, if they're not truly love in love with fishing, like that's not going to change anything. That's one of the, you know, put a lot of responsibility, you know, on the men we're here talking about all these bikinis and everything. And you know, the, a lot of these girls just wearing what they wear and, you know, it's the men's attitude towards it, which is really the issue and why you felt like you had to dress a certain way because you wanted to avoid a small portion of, of the people that vocalize these things. You want to avoid that. But, you know, again, that's, that's really their issue. And so and I don't really feel like, you know, maybe the reality of it is as certain men, you know, have these opinions and make these comments, but, you know, all this discussion is really kind of catering to the lowest common denominator. Do you think a lot of them though, like those are the pigs. I mean, they're everywhere, right? Those pig men. But the comments that really hurt are fellow anglers who also fish seriously. Those are the ones that hurt. Those are the ones that hurt me. But do you think that a lot of it is because they look at these, like this, I'm going beyond you now, these new age, this new age of woman who is selling sex to get what she wants, to get views, to get free stuff. And they look at it and they're like, I've put in 30 years of my hard work to get here. And she's getting the things that I've got. I've got to feed my family. I could really use a free 10 rods instead of paying money for that. I mean, their comments come out of hurt. I get them. What, like, what are your thoughts on that as a man, Brian? I mean, I get that. But you know, I, I also believe, and from my experience in the industry, is you know, the market is really going to take care of that stuff. And the reason these girls and probably the reason Darcy is not sponsored by, you know, some of the big name tackle companies or, you know, or, you know, some of the big name boat companies is, you know, because they have those feelings. And the issue is that when men watch, uh, you know, a show or a video for, for sexualized reasons for bikinis and a lot of them do it automatically, you know, they're not buying that tackle. They're, they're just looking at a bikini and then they're watching it for a minute and then moving on. Okay, so these guys that are serious and been fishing for 30 years, when someone sees them fishing and he's, you know, in a Yam, you know, pushing a Yamaha and he's using his pen reel or whatever he's doing, you know, they're like, you know, then they're, they're getting sales. So that's really the distinction. These girls who are just, you know, sexualizing everything, you know, they're not getting the sales. They're not translating. And they're not getting, right. And yeah. they're not getting the, uh, you know, the big sponsors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and again, the more, that's just the marketplace and that's how it's going to be. And like I always say, the bikini is not a business model. You know, these girls are going to, you know, fade out and, you know, all these captains, you know, they're initially upset, but in the long run, you know, just ca- just keep catching fish every day. And, 
you know, they also they also don't go up at the times. They have to post on Instagram, and they got to post on Facebook so people see it. You just can't, you know, unless you've been doing it for twenty years and all you want is daily charters, and that's perfectly wonderful. You can make a ton of money and have a great career, and we love all of you. But uh, you know, that's that's just really how it is. It's you know, it's the sales. Has it ever bothered you to the point where you thought, you know what, I can't keep dealing with these idiots. I don't even want them as part of my audience. I'm going to change my image so that I don't have to deal with it and I can finally be taken seriously as the intelligent, serious angler that I am. Yeah, we have thought of that and how I mentioned earlier how we were kind of trying to veer away from that on YouTube, just yeah. trying to like create a different image for ourselves. Are and it's actively pursuing this change? We were. Um, I, I guess we are still, but it's not like our main focus anymore. And the reason being is because even fully clothed or anything like men are always going to objectify you right off the bat. They're going to judge you and they're going to be like, Oh, are you hot? Are you ugly? And Oh man, are you compared to so-and-so on YouTube or whatever? They're always going to compare us. They're always going to right off the bat objectify us. And that's what they're looking at our videos for. They're not looking at our videos to learn. And there might be those. And I do have those true fans that really do truly enjoy watching our videos and really do learn to love our like, they're actually learning techniques and fishing tips from us. But at the same time, the vast majority of them are not there for that. And so we realized that like, we're never going to change the industry. Just me as an individual, but I'm never going to change the way men think in society today. That's not, it's just not going to change. They're always going to write off the bat, uh, have an opinion about you. And, and they write that in the comments and they're like, Oh, so-and-so is so much hotter than you. And it's like, I'm not even, this is not about that. Like what, it doesn't matter. Um, so to, today, currently we realize that and and we're like, it's just men are going to be men. Nothing's going to change. So I can continue to wear my bikinis. We're not going to necessarily film those, you know, those those uh, very uh, sexual angles and things because that's not our focus. But at the same time, I can still enjoy wearing my bikini and enjoy making fishing videos and provide those tips and tricks as well. Yeah, I would just add, you know, it, it's a constant balance, you know, in the industry for us of whether to, you know, show, show bikinis or not show bikinis. And uh, over the last two years. You know, we've really focused on, you know, on not, I'm not saying we don't have some thumbnails out there, which are a little, you know, a little more scandalous than others. And we also play to the platform, you know, on Instagram, you know, they love the bikinis and all this kind of stuff. And on the other platforms, you know, it's just different. So we're really trying to strike a balance and, you know, we're building a digital online business. You know, it's not so much, you know, it's not about bikinis at all, really. And, you know, on, for instance, on Twitter, you know, we even write in our profile, it says, you know, I re- retweet for girls and, you know, for kids and female anglers every single time. So if someone tags her on Twitter or even has a picture of a girl holding a fish, you know, we're retweeting that. Uh, we have a picture contest every single Monday on Facebook where the winner is invariably a kid holding the fish. Today, it's Nick from Alabama who caught a red snapper. And so every single week we're doing this on Facebook, every single day she is posting and retweeting more kids and female anglers fishing than anybody else in the industry flat out five times more than even more than all these people who are saying it's all they support. And even today, you know, here we're talking about bikinis. When I can guarantee you on Twitter and Facebook, we have a double or 10 times more pictures of kids and no one brings that up at all. I'm going to drop bikinis because I'm kind of over it, but, and I'm sure you guys are too, but if you weren't filming, would you be fishing in a bikini? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about some of the other, um, what about slime? Have you ever had, I still have a scar on my arm from sailfish slime. 
Have you, you're offshore. Are you catching sailfish and do you hold them up? And does that burn all over? Um, actually, now that you mentioned that, um, I don't have any scars from sailfish, but two days ago, well, the last, yesterday and the day before, we were offshore fishing out of Stewart back to back on our center console. And we caught sailfish both days. Um, the first day we were out like 10 miles out in the ocean and we were mahi fishing under weed mats and stuff. And shockingly, a sailfish was out there. So I caught a sailfish and I held it up for a picture and my full, um, far, forearm right here was totally stinging the rest of the day like from the my wrist all the way to my elbow and it's not there you can't see it anymore yeah. but it, actually you can see something right right there but um it was really bad and it was stinging like crazy and i'm like i, I don't think the sailfish even touched me but when i picked it up for the picture it was thrashing a little bit so it did rub on my arm a little bit and, and that was the first time i've experienced sailfish slime and i was like geez that hurts it's horrible i always yeah. the girls there's like four of them in a row holding up a sailfish taped to their bodies and i'm like oh dude you have no idea what that's gonna do to you later it's gonna hurt right. so bad right and the same thing with sharks too is like if you yeah. ever get rubbed by a shark i mean i have a nasty scar or i actually still have a scar on my knee from um actually like straddling a shark and it shook violently and it like scraped through three layers of skin and it was the worst painful thing ever a shark rash is probably worse than a sailfish slime but um but i still have that scar to this day so it's amazing what fish can do to you last question about bikinis it's not related to you it's just in general because i don't know who else to ask what is a fish bra what when did that start what is it why is it is it like in your in your area of this of the industry is it still hilarious like i don't get it i think it's really old school now it's not like is that an old thing now yeah i explain to people listening what a fish bra is yes like what is she talking so i would say approximately like three or four years ago it was a bigger thing on social media and instagram in particular and there's actual account called fish bras um where you actually are wearing your bikini and you're holding up a fish but the fish is blocking your top so you can't see your actual bikini top you might be wearing a tube top or something so wearing a top yeah they were topless you i mean you i'm I'm sure some some are are, but majority it just happens to look like a fish bra because you can't see your top at all um so and i did have a couple that just happened that you know look like that but it wasn't like necessarily the case at all so that was a big thing back in the day as well and then everybody i guess started going topless and taking pictures with you know multiple fish over each breast or what have you but it's it's it but fish bra's true definition is like one fish covering both your both your um breasts (laughs) Breasts. and basically it looks like your top fish bra (laughs) did, did it roll as many eyes in your world as it did in ours I thought it was pretty funny initially and I kind of just shrugged it off as like, oh my God, this is like so silly. But and we never like took time to ever do a fish bra picture because that was like, it was stupid to me, honestly. To us, you know, again, it's a digital business, not just a nice, just a hashtag for us to use to get some more engagement. You know, honestly, we had some pictures where it looked like a fish bra. So we threw them up and I'm sure we hashtag fish bra, but that was really about it. Brian, as a businessman, what's been the biggest moment in your career so far? This new career where oh. you've had to really, yeah, not your career as a real, I had a great, as a, some as great a moments in the old career. Well, especially because <laughs> my question is about integrity. So I'm sure as a lawyer, we could talk for days about that. But as in your new career, what was the biggest conflict that you've had with your own, with you guys at, you know, with your integrity where you've had to be like, is this worth it? And did you have to make a decision that really weighed heavy one way or the other? Um, you know, honestly, there hasn't been any, you know, I can't think of anything real, real moral dilemmas that I've had, you know, during the process here. It's have you felt like you've had to fish for a species that couldn't handle it? Do you have you felt like you had to kill a fish that maybe you shouldn't? Have you ever felt? No, we don't. We don't do that at all. Like, and that's one of our, you know, one of our policies. I guess you'd say is, you know, we keep it super legal. Like, I see people doing stuff all the time. 
you definitely should not do. Like you just mentioned four girls holding a sailfish. That sailfish is dead now. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't do it. Okay, we keep the fish in the water. We try and revive the fish. We use circle hooks and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, no, we don't really do that. I mean, we will target species from time to time, like during Shark Week, we'll go shark fishing or something. But, uh, you know, we focus on, we've learned that you need to focus on what's actually biting. <laughs> if you're trying to catch what's not biting, you're going to have a bad time. If you guys started in 2012, you would have been either offered or thought about doing television. Did you ever think about doing television? We've been contacted by about every television production company from here to... <laughs> yeah. Why Why not? I mean, I know now television's in a different world today, but back then, why didn't you guys do television? You could have. Well, there's a, a couple of reasons. If, if you're talking about, you know, some of these television shows, which are, you know, like a a straight cable fishing show, you know, which is on whatever the channels are, you know, like Bass to Bill Fish or Addicted Fishing. You know, we could do that. You know, it takes $250,000 to buy the airtime. And then, you know, you, you got to hire production people and, and do all this and get your sponsors, which you're beholden to then. And, you know, we just never wanted to do that. We have this thing called YouTube. We have, we earn our fans. We don't buy our fans. And, uh, you know, that's the way we've gone. And, Honestly, my understanding is these shows get 80,000 to 100,000 views, you know, on a good day. We get more than that on our videos. So I never seen any sort of benefit to it whatsoever. And like a more popular show, we'd, you know, maybe get into one day. But, you know, when you get onto Discovery Channel or some of the other channels, you really need to have some sort of a hook or it's a group of people fishing. Um, No one's, you know, there's no popular fishing shows, you know, not really popular fishing shows. The popular ones like Wicked Tuna. Deadliest Catch. These are all competition shows and personality shows. They happen to be fishing, but it's not a fishing show. They've had to create some sort of scenario to make it interesting. And drama. Right, and drama. It feels like you guys stay away from the drama. We do, probably to a fault. Um, How so? Well, you know, drama and a little bit of controversy probably, you know, raises some awareness and there's no bad publicity, right? Uh, So, you know, we could be a little more, you know, opinionated maybe in some of our shows and stuff like that to build you know, a little more audience, just, you know, have discussions open, but, you know, no big deal, really. So any, these production companies, you know, they ne- we never have a good idea. The main idea is always, let's get a bunch of girls on a bikini, and they're going to go fishing. No, <laughs> not doing it. And we get those calls all the time, you know, we'd like you to do this, we'd like you to do that, with this and her, and just no. Like, we're not we're not joining that bikini team. I don't care that you went to Quapos or wherever the heck you went with your 10 people and you killed four marlin underwater because you were holding them for the photo, and all this stuff. We, we just don't do it. We, you guys make these decisions together. Yeah. Yeah, you guys yeah. are a team, right? Like, I really feel that. I really feel like you guys are a team. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people who are... Sorry, I totally just cut you off. No, it's I know a lot of people in the industry, both sports fishing and fly fishing, and the male in the female's life is usually that way around. He makes all the decisions. It doesn't feel like that with you guys. It feels like you're a proper team. No, we definitely are a team. I mean, like without Brian, like there would be nothing. <laughs> and then I guess without me, there would be nothing as well. But it's it's a lot of team effort for sure. You know, we have a, a business corporation. Technically, Darcy's the boss. is 51%. And I, I have a lot of opinions, obviously, and on some of the, you know, what, you, you know, what your listeners can hear is that I'm 50, <laughs> right? Darcy's 30. So I'm 20 years older. I've been an attorney in multiple states and had law firms and everything. So I, do, I know a lot of stuff about business and such that she doesn't know. And, of course, she knows a lot of stuff that I don't know from being, you know, she's actually literally a better fisherman than me. And so she has a lot of those opinions. And so we do have, uh, you know, complementary strengths. But whenever it comes down to something, like one example is if we should put this 
you know, thumbnail up that had your butt in it or not in your butt in it. And, you know, those are all dark. I always say, Darcy, that's, this is your thing. You know, it's up to you. So I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm blaming her, <laughs> but she's, she's the boss. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Do you ever feel a division between like fly fishing, the fly fishing industry and, and, and the sports fishing industry? And do you care if you do? Division like. Like, do you ever feel like we don't like under, like understand each other? Even though I fish conventional gear, I feel very lost in that industry. Your industry feels so much bigger. Do you guys look at ours and just go, oh my God, it's so tiny. What industry? We kind of, honestly, it's so weird because like we're in the same niche, but we're not because like it's different types of fishing, but we're in the same fishing world. So it's just funny how it works. But no, we honestly, we feel like, and we've been saying this for like two or three years now that I really need to get into fly fishing because we feel like that is a much more popular uh, form of fishing when it comes to people in the Midwest and people up in the lakes and the rivers. And when it's wintertime or, you know, when you guys don't have access to the ocean, that's what people are doing. That's how you learn. When we were in Michigan for my sister's wedding uh, last week, there was a bunch of people I was talking to, and they all knew how to fly fish for the trout and the stuff in the rivers. And it's just like, I don't even know how to fly fish or do any of that stuff. It's like, so we feel like we're missing out on a, a lot more of an audience and more viewers if we had actual fly fishing videos because the people in the upper part of the United States, that's what they're doing. Um, and we just feel like that it's a big market that we probably should tackle. And at the same time, there's a lot of females involved in that and that are really serious fisherwomen as well for you as you as example. Um, and we just feel like it's an untapped marketplace and we feel like that we could also gain viewers from that. So I don't feel like it's small at all, but we feel honestly like saltwater is much smaller especially the offshore deep sea mainly because if you think about it you need a boat and then you know a lot of people can't afford a boat then you need all the tackle then you need the gas money to get out there to catch the fish then you know you have to have the actual skills to catch those fish so that's a much smaller market if you even think about that where fly fishing is a lot from land and you can you know do all of that by foot why don't you guys you've got no kids right no kids why don't you guys get in a car and go I would be so interested. I mean, if you're looking for expansion, this is just my business idea. If you're looking for expansion and you're looking for that audience, and obviously you want to be taken seriously, why wouldn't you? I want to be taken seriously. Why not get in the car and drive across country and go experience all these things? You can still do all that you're doing now. I would watch you, Darcy. I would I would really enjoy watching you dive into those different fisheries. Yeah, so we've definitely discussed that. And actually this year, I was talking about doing like an East Coast trip. Yeah. I visit my sister. Yeah, you're from New York. Right. I visit my sister every year in Long Island and we're actually going next week and, you know, we're going to do a drive up. You know, in the past, honestly, I don't know if you've been, how much you've been following, but, you know, Darcy's father was quite sick yeah. over the last several years. So we didn't really do any traveling. And then uh, he passed in January and then, you know, went to the, we went to the Keys for a month, which, you know, was pretty good, tra- <laughs> pretty good traveling. And, uh, you know, and then this month we have, we had a couple things and I cast and next month we go to New York. But uh, yes. That is a great idea, and we're definitely going to be, you know, maybe not this season now, but definitely in the spring, we'd like to do at least a, a up coast trip, uh, east coast, and hit all those places, and you know, maybe a west coast trip too. And we also just got a boat that we could do that with, because again, you know, we like to do my boat, my fish kind of a thing, which other no other ladies are really doing. She's not going on charter boat ABC every single week, and right. someone else is catching a fish because you know, April, you know, if you when you go fishing, it's I like to say, you know, any old monkey can reel in a fish. You know, it's about knowing where the fish are. It's about having the right bait out there. And it's about hitting the fish. And, you know, like offshore fishing is a team sport. And you need all these people to do it. And, again, just you're going on a charter and having some captain put you on a fish because he knows where the fish are every single day. And then you catch a fish. 
I mean, congratulations, but it's not the same. Well, look, I'm super happy that I was able to come and sit down and ask you those questions. They're uncomfortable. They're not something most guys can't ask them. And I don't particularly want to ask them, but I felt like I should. Is there anything that I've missed? I mean, there's a lot about your life that I've obviously missed, but is there anything in particular that you wanted to address that you haven't been able to before? Not in particular. I guess I'm just curious to see what your audience has as as far as feedback goes on what we talked about, but you know, because that's always an important subject and it's, it's always going to be, it's not going to change. And I feel like I'm just going to say too, I feel like the uh, fishing industry is just like, it's just like so many more years behind as far as like social media goes and other industries go. And for example, like you said, the uh, Academy Awards are all these award shows and what these females are wearing at these, at these awards. And we're just like mind blown. We're like, holy crap, that's like totally see-through or whatever, whatever the case may be. And then when it comes to the fishing industry, you know, all these companies are just getting on social media or the way they feel about bikinis, like, oh no, no, you can't do that type of thing. And in, like I said, we might not have these sponsors because of the way they think. So I just feel like, you know, that's also a struggle for us dealing with these companies that are so old school. And there's this one company in particular that we worked for and he like doesn't believe in social media marketing. He believes in like newspaper articles, the ads in like Coastal Angler magazine, like things that are so old school. And it's like, dude, that's not how today's world works. but he won't hear, he won't listen to anything or that company won't listen to any of the new things that are going on. Like he just won't entertain it. So it's interesting to see how that, that plays out. But I wish that the industry was just, uh, uh, more up to date and up to speed with how things work on social media because it would be better for all of us. We're just so desperate for equality. And that's what it comes down to in sports. Yeah. And it just, I mean, do tennis players get grief for, for playing tennis in skirts? I mean, it's pretty strict dress code at, at Wimbledon, you know, but still they're wearing skirts and, you know, and the boys are wearing shorts and, and shirts and everything. And, you know, something that I don't want to get, I don't want to talk about politics at all, but the way the politics are in a way, I mean, ball, you can see the first lady's boobs on the internet, <laughs> okay, at this point. So why anyone's complaining about a girl fishing in a bikini or having any sort of thing about it is, you know, it seems like we're way past that. <laughs> but it's intentions. It's intentions, Brian. Get the bikini part. That's just the, a byproduct of the intention. I mean, again, I don't look at those people as, as fishing shows. They're not, you know, they're, they're going fishing in a bikini and they're doing those shots. I mean, good for them. But, like, those girls, they're really... You know, I'm, we're doing our own game. I mean, we're, our competition, we don't really have competition. We're just trying to help please our fans and provide some value and build our business, you know, multiple ways and please our sponsors and show people the right products to use and how to catch a fish and how to enjoy and live their dreams, you know, hopefully inspired to do the same thing Darcy did, which was follow her dreams and go fishing more and love her family and this kind of thing. Those girls want to go, you know, have a sexualized show. It's always going to be out there and it's just a new form of it. To me. Okay. Well, listen, when, you know, you mentioned my audience, look, you're going to hear all arguments and they're going to be, there are going to be arguments that I have missed. And the last thing I want to do is be offensive. And it's very clear to me that you're not selling what a lot of these other women are selling. So I don't think it's fair to ask you to answer for them. So I'm not going to ask a lot of the questions that maybe some people want me to ask because you're not the right person to ask that to, you know, you're not a porn star who's fishing on the side. Uh, you're an angler and, and you're working with what you've got. So you're going to hear an interest. I think you'll hear an interesting response. And I just want this conversation to start. I just want people to think maybe a little differently. Um, and selfishly, I, for myself, I want to be able to, you know, if someone does snap a picture of me fishing with my husband or like the one picture of me on the internet, 
in the Bahamas with a bonefish in a bikini. Yeah, I know you guys are Googling that and I shouldn't be discredited. And I don't think that every woman fishing, whether it be in a low cut top under waders or in a bikini, I don't think that they should be criticized. I think that we do need to have these conversations though, to talk about intentions and their impact on the industry. Anyway, all that's really long-winded to say that you're going to hear different sorts of criticism. Don't necessarily take them personally. I think you're going to hear a lot of feedback commending you for sitting down with me because nobody else would get back to me because I've reached out to other women who are those other women to talk to them about this stuff. Not one of them got back to me. I didn't warn you that I was going to talk about bikinis. So you had no idea what I was going to talk to you about. And um, I think you just handled it like a champ, both of you guys. Well, thank you very much, April. And I'm really, like I said, just really excited to hear what your audience has to say. And I'm, you know, the criticism, the good and the neg- the positive and the negative comments, everything, like I just take it with a grain of salt. But I'm really excited to see what everybody has to say overall. So are we going to do a lesson? We have to. Let's do Let's that. Let's do it. Okay. Thanks so much, you guys. Brian, thank you. Darcy, thank you so much. And uh, I'll include all of your links. Where can people find you on YouTube? So you can just search on Google, Darcizzle, Darcizzle Offshore, and all my social media links will pop up. But I make videos, new videos every week on YouTube, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Every week? Every week. That is so much we work. Have, we have like over 650 videos right now on our YouTube channel. So go ahead and watch them all. No, just kidding. <laughs> and um, of course, uh, on social media like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Dar Sizzle should pop up as well. So go ahead and check all that out. But new content goes out every day on all the platforms. Thank you so much, you guys. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you for listening. 